0: Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Turman. I am your moderator. And with me this week is Home Depot Associate Dan Woo! Hello, Woo! Chick-fil-A team member Scott Reed yeah. and used car salesman Bill Calvin. Yeah. Be
1: afraid. Yeah.
0: Scott, will you uh, pray for us? I in will. The traditional
2: Chick-fil-A fashion. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's not going to touch that. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the chance we had to be together again after a week apart. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that this time that we have together would um, would bless your name and that people who hear it would, would grow in their knowledge of you and grow in their love for you. Lord, be with us today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Scott. Let's do some Would You Rather. All right. I think I've, like, hit my Would You Rather, like... Jackpot. Well, just like, I, don't, I I did something where now I'm just like drawn from this side and they're always like new ones. Nice. Uh, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give each of us a full card. So we'll get the full pain, fear, discomfort, appearance, embarrassment, <laughs> ethics, intellect and random. Uh, questions. I
0: think it's only mm. fair.
2: Yeah. So we'll just can't get any more softballs. We'll do it like category by category. So Bill, would you rather? I don't think we've done this one before. Would you rather have an itch in the middle of your back all the time or an eyelash in your eye all the time? I think we did that last we week. We did
3: that last week. We did that last
2: week? Oh, you're right. Well, it's been two weeks. That's why I forgot. I know. When I was doing the intro, I was
0: like, I hope I still remember how to do this. That's why I started <laughs> laughing
2: halfway through. Well, I don't think we did this one. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here, you... You just said that you're drawing new ones. I know. Well, the other one, one of them is really good. Nice. All right. Um, Okay. I don't think we've done this one yet. (laughs) Bill, would you rather have a panic attack? Wait, what did we just say about the last one? What, what was we the say preference? about it? Yeah, who, wh- whoever definitely, did it. Definitely, oh, I, I,
3: It was me. I took the itch oh, you instead took the of itch. the eyelash.
2: Yeah. Um, maybe we just left it at that. Maybe there wasn't a lot of discussion. I think it was, was pretty rapid last week. Yeah. I think we were late. All right. Bill, would you rather have a panic attack while 75 feet up in a tree you have just climbed or while swimming 100 yards out in the ocean?
3: Uh, I'll take uh, being up in the tree. Yeah. All
2: right. I agree. Max, would you rather have a wasp fly up your shirt sleeve as you are riding a motorcycle at 45 <laughs> miles per hour hmm. or have the car hood fly open over the windshield at 70 miles per hour on a busy freeway? Oh. <laughs> the car hood, for sure. Ooh,
0: really? Oh, the wasp? Yeah. You rather I'd have the, the car hood? Oh man, I'm worried if the wasp stings me I might like flinch and jerk the jerk the handle and flip over. Oh. Yeah. The car hood flies up. I You just the I brakes. remember, to the, the best of my ability, you know how far I've got in
2: front of me in the next car. Hit the hazard lights and slow down. I'm prepared for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, would you rather have a snowball fight against a pro baseball pitcher or play dodgeball against a pro quarterback? Mm. I love dodgeball, so I'm going with that one. <laughs> like, Probably get creamed. <laughs> not like clear enough rules for what like snowball fight. Sure. <laughs> Just chaos. Yeah. It's just you getting at ninety a lot. miles an hour.
0: Whew, yeah. I like that you you
2: reframed that as which one sounds the
0: most fun instead yeah. of like oh which <laughs> one do I have the
1: best chance at?
2: <laughs> and would I rather have to spend a day wearing underwear filled with molasses or wearing underwear filled oh. with gravel? Oh, <laughs> oh man, definitely going with molasses.
3: I, I wow, think, I would have taken a gravel. I Think I go oh, gravel?
2: Maybe I just am not like fully tactilely aware of what molasses. Feels well like, you probably but... haven't had gravel underwear like Bill and I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Bill, you're write... crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm going to ask it even though I know that we've done it before. Because guess what? I just found. <laughs> you Would you think? rather ride an adult sized big wheeler tricycle <laughs> from Florida to Maine or ride an adult sized hippity hop across the uh, state of Florida? Is that the
0: first episode? It's mm, one of them. I think it is it's one of the wow, first we episodes. Made <laughs> it. Welcome to the last episode of the Bloomingdale Search
3: <laughs> Podcast. I'm taking the full size big wheel.
2: Wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice, um, Dan. Would you rather have a bottle cap stuck to your tongue for a week? Oh, I skipped like mouth. a metal one, or a bean stuck up your nose for a week. Oh, a bottle, like a metal bottle cap. Just as a bottle. It's a cap. bottle cap or a bean. Stuck? I feel like it's probably a metal. Like one. a metal bean. <laughs> no, no, <that's
1: laughs> the, bean good, <laughs> the bean from Chicago. The bean from Chicago. Take the bean up the nose. Oh, or, I the bottle really cap. Imagine. How do you? You can't talk really well. You can't really eat. I hate my nose. If, like, if I, like, hit my
0: nose on something or, like, people touch my nose, it freaks me out. It's, like, how far up the nose is it? I mean, it's far enough. I'm afraid of sleeping with that bean in my nose. I go, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ooh
3: choke myself at night. uh, that's
0: true. Though, admittedly, you have the guarantee that it's going to be stuck in your nose when you wake up, so. Oh,
2: well. Great <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I was Somewhat wanting. great
2: um, Max Would you rather For the next year Be pine scented Or new car smell scented mm. Oh new car For That's sure That's a great smell
0: New car is a great smell It is Yeah I uh,
2: would just
0: never Stop smelling my own arms
2: I feel like we have Done this one before <laughs> Some of these, I've, I honestly, I judge whether or not we've seen them before just based off of the first question. Fair. So I think some of these we maybe have seen before, but okay. that's okay. Okay. Would I rather not be able to shower or bathe for one month or not be able to brush my teeth for six months? <sighs> I'm going to go with shower and bathe yep. for one month. Yeah. Because that won't, like, damage my body. Mm. But not brushing my teeth for six months might damage Yeah. My you have a lot of cavities. Yeah. Plus, right. you're
0: up on the stage. Most people won't be able to smell yeah.
2: you. Plus, right. like, eventually, it'll just be so bad that everyone will die. And it'll only be me. <laughs> that's... That's one way to look at it. Yeah. That's the introvert's way to look at it.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: though the teeth thing might also my scare people. My smell me can't too. bother you if you're dead from it. <laughs> All right, Bill, would you rather go on 15 horrible job interviews and get no offers or callbacks oh. or talk back to your college professor one time too many and make her cry? <laughs>
3: <laughs> talk back. Oh yeah. That's story what, of my what life. A <laughs> I was
2: going to say Bill's, um, made, Bill's done that. Dozens of times already. Max, would you rather have restricted freedom and no crime or unrestricted freedom with massive rates of crime?
0: Oh, come on. (laughs) What kind
2: of... uh, This is the same category as the last one. I just want you to know. Is it
0: Bill? Is it Ben Franklin who said whoever gives up liberty for some security deserves neither and will lose both? So Uh, this is a trap question is what I'm calling this out as. (laughs) Um,
1: I'll take... uh, and it's your choice. People are going <sighs> to be really mad or people are going to die. So it's Sorry. some So <laughs> your, Which would you prefer? Which man? Would
2: you prefer? People <laughs> be mad or people die? Can you read them again? Uh, have restricted freedom and no crime or unrestricted freedom with massive rates of crime? I don't know what
0: restricted freedom means, but I know this, that the gospel does
2: best under persecution, and thus I will take restricted freedoms and no crime. All right. Well, if there's no crime, that means that no one's breaking the law, which means that no one's practicing religion illegally.
3: Well, it also could be uh, like Nebraska, I just where they have restricted freedoms, but their crime rate's real low because so many people carry guns.
0: Wow. So th- there's there's something to be said for that. Sure. See, Bill, I think is on
2: my side. Bill's right? on a side.
0: <laughs> Damn, would you rather have? I'm on that side too.
2: Would the ability of ten athletes or the knowledge of ten scholars? Ooh. I'm guessing this is like compounded, mm. not just like. I think you just get to pick which ten athletes, and you get all their traits. Well, I'm saying I think it's like it builds on itself, so it's like yeah, you get like the speed of yeah. an athlete plus oh. another athlete plus another athlete. I'd rather, I'd rather pick
0: same. my own athletes and absorb all their abilities. You know? It sounds it's like the like, TV think show Heroes to, from years ago. It does sound like Heroes. Well, maybe you don't get
2: to choose. I don't know.
0: I think you're right. Like in, in the book and or film The Grinch, when it says he gets the strength of like 10 Grinches plus two. Like it's not like it's like, oh, there's 10 Grinches. There's Steve and Mark. Like it's like it's 10 times the normal mm, athletic right. ability. But I like thinking of it as pick 10 athletes and you'll get all of their ability. That'd be sick. i choose the Scholars.
2: <laughs> <What? Does> it, <laughs> <doesn't even matter? laughs> no, Take scholars. care of this.
0: Name the scholars. I don't, I don't know. Does Paul count as a scholar? Sure. Is probably. Jesus a scholar? Why not?
2: <laughs> Timothy Keller. <laughs> Why not? I'll get the knowledge of Jesus. Well, I'll but... not. Twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm pretty sure we have done this one before, but would I be rather be famous or rich? I will take rich. Would you rather be rich or stupid? I will take stupid. Bill, would you rather marry a whiner or marry a bully? This is the last round. This is random. Huh? I'll
0: take the bully.
2: Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Max, would you rather have to change your name every five years or have to move every six months? I already have to change my name every five years. It's not that bad. Yeah, he's
0: a witness protection. Speaking of which, this will be the last time you hear from me.
1: <laughs> he's gotta go. He's out
0: the door. See you never again. <laughs> um,
2: Damn. Would you rather always come in second in every contest you enter, or come in dead last nine out of ten times, but first every tenth try? Oh. Whoa, if every you pl- tenth if try. If you plan it right. You know, you when you're going to come in first. Of course you got to get into that competition.
1: I don't think it's that well, predictable though.
2: Like worthless competitions and then like the, you know. But then what if you
0: accidentally do like your 10th one, like you're on the way to that competition and somebody like challenges you to rock paper scissors and you're like not even thinking about it and you win?
1: And then you gotta try and it's got just like a ten other people cram to, in. to cram in. I don't find myself doing a lot of
2: competitions in my life,
0: right <laughs> so I'm gonna go. Well, that's get... because you don't win one <laughs> out of
2: every time. True, I'm gonna go with second place. Fair enough. Right. Does a lottery count as a competition?
0: I don't know. Do you get what happens if you're second place? And also, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, so. you can win the
2: lottery. Oh, well,
3: shoot. I'm thinking about Wouldn't that be cool just to plan it out and you could win the Boston Marathon?
2: Yeah. Well, of course, that's what you're thinking, man. Yeah, that <laughs> you would be fun.
0: do a lot of
3: competition.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And would I rather, for the rest of my life, Here be on a liquids-only diet or eat anything I wish but have to burn it to a crisp first? Mm. I guess it depends on the like mm. the definition of burn it to a crisp. Like If it means completely charred all the way over, I'll go liquids-only. But if it just means, like, very well done, then <laughs> it may be that. I think the colloquialism of to a crisp <laughs> indicates a level of unpleasantness. <laughs> well, but I think different people would use it in different ways. Because, mm. like, like when well, I think of "burned to a crisp, I think of, like, black. So do I. Which yeah. is unedible. Black and toast. I'm not going to do that.
0: My grandmother used to eat anything that was burned. She'd be like, give it to me. I'll eat it. So you, you and her get would like get along pretty well. Stomach cancer? I don't think like so. Mouth cancer? Yeah. Sh- She is dead. Did she? (laughs) I bet she grew up during the Depression. Oh, I'm sure she did.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, when you hear what those people ate during the Depression, that makes a lot of sense why she would do that. Yeah.
2: So, which one did you go with? Uh, I'm going to... I think I'm going to go with liquids only. Liquids only? That's tough. It It is tough. Liquids only is tough. once you're consigned to it, like... If you do it right, it's pretty healthy. I would stop getting lunch with you every Friday if we were liquids only. Well, you wouldn't be looking. If we were looking. Yeah. Thank you, man. You're coming in on this with me. But we're not getting lunch anymore <laughs> for right. some reason. Bill, would you give me a number between one
0: and 1001? 1, 666. Cool. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> Classic, Bill. I have. Here with me, a copy of J. Stephen Lang's 1001 Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible But Never Thought to Ask. And we are, of course, starting with 666.
2: I hope he doesn't have it in there. How hope he just skips over it. Oh, that'd be so cool. It's it just a, says, like, ha-ha.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, jerks. Uh, it's atonement. All right. This is from the ideas section of things you always wanted to know. Look at the word closely. And you see its meaning, at one meant. It means bringing two separated parties together, making them at one. In other words, reconciliation. The word isn't used much anymore, except that Jews still celebrate the annual Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. Leviticus 16 spells out how ancient Israel observed the day, which included the ritual of the high priest symbolically placing his hands on the head of the scapegoat, transferring Israel's sins to it and sending it away to the wilderness. The key idea is that human sin offends a holy god, so something must occur to bring about a reconciliation between man and God. Israel, like most nations, practiced animal sacrifices. The dramatic change came with the New Testament, where the Christians perceived that Christ, the perfect and innocent man, suffered a horrible death and became the final once and for all sacrifice for all human sin. Paul affirmed that God presented Jesus as an atonement sacrifice through faith in his blood, Romans 3.25. When theologians speak the atonement, when theologians speak the atonement, often with a capital A, they are referring to Jesus's death as the great sacrifice that reconciles man to God.
2: What were you pointing at each other about? Oh, just from ordination like eight months ago when we were talking about atonement in our ordination meeting. and. Dan was like, the way that I think about it is at one mint. <laughs> okay. At one with a mint. Uh, no. <laughs> That's really what we're going for. Yeah, exactly. Can you
0: explain at one mint? I'm not 100% sure I grasped it from this explanation.
1: I think it's basically saying that Jesus' sacrifice brings us into the fullness of relationship with God, where once our sins had separated us. From him, it closes the gap of separation. Hmm. Isaiah, I believe, fifty nine two talks about our sins have separated us from God. Hmm. But God hmm. closes the gap and took our place. Hmm.
0: Does that mean we can have a partial relationship to God without accepting Jesus's sacrifice? Without accepting atonement, does atonement matter if we accept it or not? I mean, obviously for salvation it does. Oh yeah, but with our to our relationship with God, like now that the 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 veil or the curtain is broken, I mean torn, mm-hmm. right? Does it matter if we like? Can we have a relationship, some level of relationship with God, without accepting Jesus as our as our Savior?
2: I guess it depends on what you mean by some level of relationship. I mm-hmm. think because if you mean like any kind of relationship, like I think that, and I, I'm pretty sure that Bill and, and Alpha and, and they've done this. It's like if if you pray as a non-believer, like God will hear you. Hmm. Um, And I think there's value in that. So like there's some kind of connection, but like, I I don't think you can have any kind of real relationship with God except through Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, no one has seen the father except Mm -hmm. the son Mm -hmm. Yeah. and like Jesus is the way to the father. So Mm -hmm. if you want an actual relationship with him, like you, by being a person in the world, like have some degree of relationship with him because he is your creator. Mm. But like, if you want like a real actual relationship, it has to be through Jesus
0: Mm.
2: because otherwise, I mean, if, if it's not if you're not thinking of it as through Jesus, it's probably not really mm-hmm. who actually who God is. It's probably just your concept of God, which yeah. is yeah, not, not actually Him.
1: There are a lot of people out there like that that say, like I'm spiritual, right, like mm-hmm. I talk to God like and it's definitely not the God of the Bible mm. that they're talking to, and they focus a lot on generally like energies and things like that, and sure, but the, so there's some of the people that I've known in my life that just really have very little peace when it comes to like hard decisions or hard circumstances in their life. Yeah. So t- tend to like, that's the first thing they go to is like, well, I know God and why is this happening? Why is God doing this to me? Hmm. It seems to be like a quick to blame kind of hmm. relationship that doesn't have much depth.
0: And that's important. I, I think that's an interesting point, not to get that twisted where yes, God hears, you know, prayers, right. Mm-hmm. But he already knows us, right. he already knows everything about us and he knows our hearts and things like that. Even people who don't believe in him. And so, To your to kind of the combined point of you know, you're worshiping a version, right? You're trying to communicate with a version of God that lives in your brain. But you know, just because God hears you doesn't mean that you are seeing him as he is, because Mm -hmm. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And so it's interesting to think about that from like an intention level of if I think I'm praying to God as like a a non-believer, right, as somebody who you know, just believes in who's very spiritual or what have you. Like, I think I'm praying to God and God is hearing those prayers, but that's not the same thing as me knowing who I'm praying to and him knowing me in return. Yeah. He knows me regardless. Mm -hmm. And it's, am I seeking him or seeking a version of him? It actually leads quite well into uh, our next segment Uh, in his book, uh, every good endeavor. Tim Keller. I just started reading that. I I love it. Um, Tim Keller has this to say about idols. Uh, French philosopher Luc Ferry argues that, quote, everyone seeks some way to face life with confidence and death without fear and regret, end quote. All of us look for something to assure us that we have spent our lives well. Whatever it is we seek, it is a form of salvation. This fits with the implication of the first ten, of the first of the Ten Commandments. God says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Notice that God says that either he will be our God or something else will. He leaves open no in-between possibility of having no gods at all that we rely on mm. to save us. Um, I think that's a really interesting point. I had never thought about the idea that God doesn't leave open the possibility that we'll just have no gods, right? Um, but to this idea that you know, either God will be our God or something else will, I wanted to personally ask you guys over the years, when you were young in your faith, and even now, I think, you know, it can be, um, you know, I'm obviously young in my faith, but um, but for me, it can still be a struggle to keep God as my only God. Um, what ideas or things have been God's in your lives
1: over the years? I think it's easy for me to put up on a pedestal, like what people think about me mm, yeah, and wanting to please others. Something that God has help me to keep reminding myself of is it's about him, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's about pleasing him, doing everything. Like, I believe it's Colossians. It talks through Colossians 3. Whatever you do, do it all for the Lord, Mm -hmm. not for men. Yeah. Yeah. That's just been a kind of a consistent theme in my life of just trying to refocus on that. Yeah. To you two, how... Let's
0: speak to that God, right? That God of, of the concern of what people think of us, of our own self-identity. What scriptures or what truths can we say to sort of bind that, right? To, to fight against that,
2: to discredit that God. Um, something that comes to my mind, a day or two ago, a friend of mine on Facebook put this question. He said, uh, what is the difference between denial of self and self-loathing. And so mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. And and I think it, it plays into this that our, when we deny ourselves for like a Christian reason, it's because like we're able to do that because we know that our identity,
3: It's probably a Robo call. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, because we know that our identity is in Christ. And when we're secure as in our identity as children of God, that that's who we are, that then we can kind of go beyond like the boundaries of who we would normally choose to be in emulation of Jesus Hmm. and who Jesus is, is, and who God is, is uh, an inherently like outward focus and like life giving person. Hmm. Um, And so like, we don't need to, you know, to speak to, you know, what other people think of us like. It doesn't matter what other people think of us because we know who we are in Christ, and instead we can focus on loving them and caring about them um, as Jesus would. Mm-hmm. Scott, have you had any? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think one that I am currently kind of dealing with is, um I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it. Uh, I, I think it's like financial security. Hmm. Uh, it's not really money in and of itself, but it's like saving money mm-hmm. um and the and I noticed that it was like kind of becoming a problem when like I realized how much relief I felt um on like months when we were able to save like a good amount of money or like when some extra money came in so we could save that yeah and i and I started to think like, okay. Hmm. I'm putting too much like, like trust in too much trust in this too much. I'm finding too much peace in how much money we're able to save yeah. hmm. uh, instead of like just trusting that like this money is all from God and he could take it all away in an instant or he could give us an absolute windfall for no reason an instant. Yeah. Um, and like, that he's going to provide for us. And so that's something that like now I'm aware of it. So like that's the first step okay. and I'm just like trying to figure out how best to kind of work through that. Uh, but that's definitely something that is that's come up recently in the last, you know, year or two. Mm. Just like, hmm, that that feeling is it's a good feeling, but it's not a good feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh like I shouldn't I shouldn't be feeling that much like ooh, we're okay. Mm. Like we saved whatever amount. Yeah. Uh, It should be like, woof, we're okay. God is taking care of us regardless of whatever that amount is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like every day, woof, we're okay. God's there.
0: Yeah. You know, I think I've been having a hard time putting my finger on what, um, I've been having a hard time putting my finger on on what my answer to this question is, Um, but I've definitely been feeling it the last couple days. And uh, during the very brief break we took, uh, at, Dan, at Dan's request that I will leave him <laughs> uh, so he could go save someone from a burning building. Um, I checked my phone and I had two texts from clients just saying like, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do this? And I realized it just like struck me of like sort of a fear of like, oh man, I got to do these things so that it's the answer isn't so that I have clients. The answer isn't so that I can have money. The answer is, as Dan said, so that they'll like me. The answer is so that they'll rely on me and so that I know that I am valuable to them. And and as you were answering that, I thought, you know, because the reason I'm I'm no longer working at this church or I'm phasing out is because the business that I run is too large for me to do both at the same time. And it occurred to me while you're talking that if all my clients texted me right now and said, Hey, I love you. You've been doing great stuff, but I just don't need you right now. I think I'm out. I would be like, great. That's fine. I'm not hurt. I'm not upset. I don't feel crestfallen or destroyed. I know that God's got something next for me. Mm -hmm. But if they texted me and they said, I feel like you're doing a bad job. Mm. but I'm willing to keep paying you for another three months, I would feel destroyed. Mm. And so that realization says to me that my God is definitely that feeling of being needed, being Mm. valuable um, and, and, and what people think of me for sure. Um, And I hate that, you know, because that drives me to do all kinds of things that I don't, necessarily want to do, and that may very well be opposed to what God calls me to do. Um, you know, it's, God doesn't, certainly doesn't promise that people will like what he calls us to do. Um, and, and God willing, will be serving people and, and, mm. and helping them and, and obviously sharing the gospel and testifying to who he is. But that is definitely my God that I am struggling with right now is that feeling of like, man, you know, I, I just want to be valued. I want who I am to be someone of, of repute. Um, and, and man, I hate that. I hate feeling that in me.
3: Well, it's a refreshing thing to hear you say, it's not about the money. I just thought that was really, um, truly in touch with yourself response. Mm-hmm. Most everybody that owns their own business, the business becomes their God. Mm-hmm. Very hard for it not to be because your whole being is on the line. You, mm-hmm. you don't want to fail because then you just identify with that failure. And you do want to succeed. And then as the business grows and you have employees, it's like, oh, man, I have a responsibility. These people need this money for their family. I really got to make it happen. I, I think that's what's happening even with my own son, that his business is steadily growing, and he's adding an employee here, an employee there, another lift, another bay, And he feels the pressure of it that, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, now it's not just me and Corey and you know, if things go bad, well, not as big a loss. Now it's people counting on me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the norm. I I felt that with church, that Mm -hmm. when we -hmm. built the building in Long Grove, I felt like, oh man, I got these people involved in this. And now we got this mortgage and the money's so tight. You, you, you can't help but feel responsible.
1: You know you're serving the Lord, and whether or not it's like the quote unquote ministry, or in a church, or what you're doing with your clients, or what you do and your interactions with them really it does make a big impact. Mm-hmm. I guess that's something that just came to mind. That it's just it's a it's a valid ministry that you have there in the in the workplace.
3: Yes, I think of Liz Bohannon feeling a burden for the women in Uganda. I thought it was hilarious. She's got a master's degree, and she's working in corporate America in New York City, I believe, and mm-hmm. she goes to her parents and tells them, okay, I quit my job, and I'm, I'm going to Uganda. And they said, and, and what are you going to do there, Liz? I'm going to make a friend.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, <I> remember that. <laughs> that.
3: high ambition, I'm going to make a friend. And they're thinking, <laughs> we struggle to send this girl to college to go do that? <laughs> and then she gets there and finds out what they really need is a business. Hmm. They don't need one more church or one more vacation Bible school or anything like that. They need a business that they can work at, make money, and take care of their families and send their girls to college and and so she didn't know what she was doing, but she trusted God and began making these sandals and teaching the women how to make them, and making a factory, and now they have two different countries where they have factories and it's a worldwide company because they sell through the web, and you just think this is really something, really something. I found her to be one of the most inspiring speakers I've heard in the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, there's people you'd like to meet. I would really like to meet her. She, hmm. she just seems like the neatest person. And she's so young. She's, I think she's the same age as my daughter. Hmm. Uh, just Spurgeon used to say, he who builds a factory builds a temple.
2: Hmm.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Uh, wow. There's a lot to that.
1: Hmm. Bill, out of curiosity, do you quote Spurgeon in your message? Not this past okay, week. Because then Scott did, and then I wanted to do it because I did. <laughs> so, like, we're like, making a trifecta. Three servings of spurgeon.
0: Uh, it is time for listener mail. Scott, if you don't mind, ring the bell. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Listener mail this week comes from a listener who would like to remain anonymous. God says you will never forsake Joshua. Joshua 1:5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, but Jesus asks, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27, uh, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, "Eli, ele, uh, mm-hmm. which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is also referenced in Psalm 22, uh, which I think is a Davidic psalm uh, that he writes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did God really forsake Jesus? Uh, and why did God turn his face from Jesus when he was on the cross, will he turn his face from us? Hmm.
1: That's a lot of questions in one. I know. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> makes me think of Second Corinthians five twelve it says, "He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness mm. of God." Mm. So kind of that picture of God turning his back on Jesus because he took all the sin and the, thats the weight of that, the mm. the filth, the garbage on himself, and the Father couldn't stand to look at him.
0: Mm. But is that different from us? Like just becoming sin. Like, mm-hmm. is there sin in our lives that would cause God to look away from us? Like, mm. can we sin so heavenly, have heavily? I don't know. That. Can we sin so heavily <laughs> that God looks away from us? I'm not a hundred percent
3: convinced that God did forsake him.
2: Mm. Hmm. I also feel that way.
3: He, he, Jesus surely felt that way. And I believe it was the sin that was this barrier between him and God. Hmm. And yet God is the one who sustained him Hmm. so that he didn't come down off the cross or... Just start turning the Pharisees into little toads. Amen uh, that. Which was, that would have been what I would be up there doing. I'm on the cross. I'm taking somebody with me.
1: That <laughs> had to be a lot of restraint on his part. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Hmm. So then this uh, parallel is true. We feel like God's forsaken us. When we are in our sin. And it's not that he's forsaken us. It's that that sin is the barrier. Yeah, that's true. And that's what every unsaved sinner is experiencing too. That I just can't connect with God. Well, no, you've got this sin barrier, but God's still trying to reach you. That's what I see. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I remember hearing something. I, I wanted to do a little bit more research about this before today, but I didn't have time. Uh, but I remember hearing something about this a while ago. Um, and you know it's basically there's you know, there's this idea or this question of like, was the Trinity broken mm. when Jesus mm-hmm. was on the cross? Mm. and like I don't remember exactly what that person said, but based off of my somewhat limited knowledge, I'm going to say like absolutely not, mm-hmm. because the Trinity is who God is, right. right, and like God the Father and God the Son, who they are, is in relationship to each other like they they can't mm-hmm. not be that because um, that's who that's who they are and i think that i second what bill said and i also think that there's another component of jesus you know jesus being surrounded by these religious teachers who have the entire old testament memorized and jesus quotes psalm 22 mm-hmm. he says the first verse of psalm 22 which for them i imagine then they'll like, oh like i know what that is what is, why is he saying that and at the end of that Um, Like it goes through just this whole, like it's got this prophecy about, you know, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me, they pierce my hands and my feet, Mm. and like Jesus is like pointing them in just like this one deft Mm. move. He's like, this is about me. And then it goes on to mm-hmm. at the end say like all the rich of the earth will feast and worship all who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just this like roller coaster of a, of a Psalm. And I think Jesus is among other things also like saying like, that's me. That's what's happening right now is that I'm, I'm, you know, the suffering Savior, um, but I am also the victorious Savior. Mm. Um, I think that's a component as well. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I I like what Bill said, and I like what Scott said, too.
2: (laughs) I loved what what
3: Scott said about the Trinity cannot be broken. Amen. That's very true. Profound.
1: Completely. Well, I, I like what Bill said, but I forgot what it was now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back to me. <laughs> yeah,
2: I would. I uh, I just. Fin- I think it mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I can't remember, but I finally finished, after like two weeks of craziness trying to get ready <laughs> for my sermon, Yeah, I finally finished Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves, uh-huh. and it is just great, and you should definitely read it. Um, mm. It's called Delighting in the Trinity, so it's a book about the Trinity, but then the <laughs> subtitle is An Introduction to the Christian Faith, mm. because one of his main points is that God being a trinity is essential um, mm. to everything else. Mm. And without that, everything else begins to fall apart. And it's really, really good. And it's pretty short. Mm. And you should read it. <laughs> I remember what I like about Bill said. I remember <laughs> I like <go> <laughs> about uh, that
1: barrier of sin that a lot of times mm. makes us feel like mm. we're being rejected. But mm. we really we have the sure promises of Scripture that says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And those are promises we can count on mm. no matter what happens. You know Psalm one thirty nine. If we go up to the depth, we go down to the depths, he's there. If we go up to the heights, mm. he's there. That nothing is going to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Mm. Even though it might feel like that, feelings aren't everything, and a lot of times they can be pretty inaccurate. Mm. Mm. So then, to sort of wrap this up, that promise that
0: God will not forsake us, despite Jesus quoting Psalm twenty two on the cross, saying, "My God, why have you forsaken me?" Really. Quickly, can you reconcile those two? I know we've kind of said it in a lot of words. Can we say it in a couple words? (laughs) No.
1: We'll say it in many words.
2: We choose to leave it verbose. You can't stop us. I guess in few words, which is what you were asking for. um, It can feel like God has forsaken you, and that is a sentiment that i think jesus shares like if he felt that
3: mm.
2: but also as dan said like we have the promise that he doesn't mm. so even when it doesn't feel like he's there mm. uh, you can know that he is
0: mm. well that will take us very well into the topic of the week topic of the week this week is brought to you by the new weekly schedule our hey. weekend schedule is changing starting with april 10th and 11th Sunday worship services are moving to 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. And we will also see the triumphant return of the 6 p.m. Saturday night service. The return of the 6 p.m. Saturday night the service. The return of the King. Come be a part of our community, <laughs> of our church community as we gather to worship our God. The new weekly schedule every weekend starting April 10th and 11th. Visit Bloomingdalechurch.org/slash New Times to learn more. Scott, I know you've talked about these times about a thousand times in the last week can you sum up what we're looking at here
2: i'm sorry i wasn't fully listening to the sponsorship did you already say what the times were or yes. am i, so, so I what said, am i saying i
0: said nine nine 10 30 a.m on sunday 6 p.m saturday
2: but what's my job now what the, w- there's classes and stuff oh what's happening on <laughs> on sunday sure okay <laughs> Don't say sure. You're the one that's asking me we, to say something. We can just
0: move Let's Let's just move on. We'll save that for another episode. Okay. For Topic of the Week this week, we are joining forces with Sermon Roundup. Yeah. Scott's sermon on Sunday reflected a lot of the themes that we've discussed on uh, the last few weeks of the show, and even more so uh, his reading of Sky Gitani's book, With, um, which I am just starting now. Um, but, right now and delighting in the trinity and delighting in the trinity Both. which I am just starting tomorrow <laughs> uh, but um, but to the question that we were just talking about this idea uh, of really feeling forsaken uh, by God and, and the weight of our feelings um, in Scott's sermon he talked about uh, referenced this idea of, of Jesus being you know his heart being over overwhelmed by, by sorrow right uh, when he's praying in the garden of the Gethsemane and uh, how can we be assured that God is with us, that we can be with him?
3: I think the best way to be assured is to take it by faith Mm -hmm. and do by faith what he's showing you to do. Hmm. Once you start living by faith, any other life is very dull. Hmm. I, I think of times in my life when We really were out there. Nancy and I were really out there financially by faith Mm -hmm. and wondering, how is this all going to work out? Mm -hmm. We were just trusting God that it was, and it would. But there would be this string of miracles that would make it work out. And it wasn't just for us. It was also for the whole church. So you start living like that, you don't really want to move away from it. You mm. want to keep living like that. Although I've got to also be fair and say it's exhausting to live like that sometimes mm. um, where you just think, boy, heck, I don't know if I can take this anymore. Mm. Um, I need just to just not be doing something so so strenuous mm. when it comes to faith. And that's maybe one of my disappointments that you just didn't just keep pressing through, press through, press through so that you finally just get to the place where you're like Jesus and the Apostle Paul where That's just the norm all the time. Mm-hmm. I think we had the norm, Nancy and I, for several years, but that was helped by the fact that Long Grove was a brand new church and mm. everything was for the first time. And Now we're in a church that's been around 43 years and it, it's sort of like you don't sink a battleship with one, one bullet. It just doesn't happen that way. You can sink a little church <laughs> because it's more like a little rowboat, you know, and you get a little hole in the bottom. Whoa,
0: this is a big crisis. Sure. So that risk can feel a lot greater. Our oh
3: yeah. The edge can feel. Yeah. Like. Planting a church is way riskier. These missionaries that are out there learning a language, planting a church, are these guys going to eat me? You know, that that was one of the concerns that He had because he's surrounded by cannibals, and they don't know Jesus Christ, and they don't want to hear about him. Man, that's really living on the edge, Hmm. and he went seven years before he had his first convert, so that's that's living by faith um, Hmm. that's truly pleasing to God, and it's exciting, and that's why we read missionary biographies, because they're exciting, Hmm. Uh, way more exciting than reading about well, this church had been around 50 years and the board met and we don't want to read board meeting minutes. <laughs> that's, that's awful.
2: Hmm. Uh, so your question was, how can we be assured that yeah. we can be with God? Um, and I guess the answer is believe this promise from the Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ephesians one thirteen and 14 says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation. So first step, you hear it. When you believed, second step, you believe it, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So you hear, you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 8.15 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Mm -hmm. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Mm. and if the relationship of a father and a son does not describe being with God, Mm. then I don't know what does. (laughs) (laughs) Even going back to the Trinity of in His nature
0: being Father and Son, yeah, exactly, Holy Spirit, yeah, exactly. Mm. Dan, I
1: love that picture of adoption. Mm. As someone who has adopted, Mm. it's an adoptive parent. Yes, chooses you, but I feel like the child just as much chooses the parent too. Mm. (laughs) It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful picture. Yeah, I just, I really resonated with me. I really like that yeah. a lot, and that that does give a lot of assurance when you say, "Yes, I want you to be my God," and God says, "I want you to be mine." Mm-hmm. It's like, well, nothing's going to shake that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not. And God is a parent; that's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's not all of a sudden going to quit on you or die or cease to be there. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about before, like he'll never leave us, never forsake us, even though everything around us might be going crazy. We may not understand what's happening or why, or maybe it's things we didn't expect. And all of a sudden just kind of rock our world. God says, no, I'm, I'm still here. I've got it. Yeah. I'm still with you. Yeah. I don't know what I do without that.
0: Let's talk very briefly about giving Jesus our, our heartbreak. Um, Talking about, uh, you know, the feelings that you talked about just 10 minutes ago, Scott, about mm-hmm. um, feeling separated from God sometimes and feeling the weight of, of sin, the weight of sorrow, um, you know, Jesus in the garden says his heart is overwhelmed by, by sorrow. Is there hope for me if God himself experienced, you know, the being flooded by, by pain, right? Being flooded by sorrow, not just physical pain, right? But emotional anguish as, as Paul writes about, um, in, in second Corinthians three of the anguish that he has for the church in, in Corinth as he, you know, chastises them what is our hope that if god himself has been flooded with sorrow before like what is how can we possibly resist being overwhelmed
1: by sorrow as well, well i look at it That i don't know if you're asking scott were are asking scott? Okay. Ask it, I'm right. okay it Je- is a bit Jesus of a loaded question he was sorrowful <laughs> and was in anguish but I don't sense that he was overwhelmed to the point where he didn't like he he went to the cross like mm. he wasn't like, well, see you guys i'm i can't I can't do this. this is too much for me mm. like he willingly obeyed, yeah, even in the face of all that that gives me great hope mm. and it, in a weird way, it gives me hope knowing that if the Son of God felt these same ways that I do, <laughs> I'm not crazy, and <laughs> none of us are crazy. <laughs> he was fully God and fully man, but still went through a lot of the same. I mean, we'll never have that emotion of being, you know, on the cusp of being killed, hopefully, but that he had emotions and was able to deal with them in the right way Mm -hmm. and not let them control him Mm -hmm. and didn't let that stand in the way of him obeying the Father.
2: I think sometimes we think that negative emotions like sorrow or anger are like bad things to be like Mm -hmm. dealt with and like pushed out of our lives. Um, and maybe they are depending on their source, but I think what we see in Jesus there is sorrow as, as Bill is going to talk about, uh, in his sermon this weekend, I just heard it as we were filming it, um, sorrow for the broken world. Hmm. And I think sorrow and anger, like those are real emotions that God really feels because he's a real person Mm -hmm. and it's not just Jesus in the garden. It's throughout history as his people and people in general have just, have rebelled against him and have rejected him and have insulted him and hurt him. Um, Like he feels those things. And the reason he feels them is because it's good to feel those things in response to sin. Otherwise, like God is good if he, if he feels it, it's good uh, to feel it. And so I think it's an important reminder that like, yeah, mourning or, or even getting angry about, certain things in the world like that's a good response Hmm. we need to handle it in a healthy way but like it's not bad and it's not something that you should be ashamed of or like or try and like push out of your life like it's it's a way it is in some it is the correct way to process sin Hmm. because sin is inherently you know it's bad. It's it's real bad, people. And I don't care who hears me say it. Sin is bad. Amen.
0: Can you uh, to to sort of close the lid on this a little bit? Like, can you talk about about you know you you said feeling that is good, but it's also a call to process it properly, right? To have a proper response. Jesus's response, as you said, Dan, was to follow through on what he was called to do, right? To bear the weight of that sorrow and to keep pursuing God's will.
1: And he invited people into it too. Mm. And unfortunately, they fell asleep on him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a big part of it is inviting people into our emotions and our sorrow and mm. people we can trust. Mm. Say like, I'm feeling this way. Will you pray with me? mm pray for me. I need it.
2: Yeah. And taking it to God mm-hmm. like what Jesus did. Mhm. You know, it's Jesus demonstrates in the garden that it's okay to just be really honest with God and be like this is where I'm at. Um God can handle it and in fact I think God in those moments God wants you to bring those things to him. He doesn't want you to wait until you have it all figured out. He doesn't want you to wait until you're, you know, depending on the case, he doesn't want you to wait until you You've recovered from the shame of your sin. He doesn't want you to wait. He just wants you to come to him always. It's like the one thing I didn't have time to include in my sermon is the prodigal son. Mm. When he comes, it's easy for us to feel like, you know, I need to get this thing right before I go back and be with God. Otherwise, mm. I'm such a hypocrite. Um, but like when the prodigal son comes, he's got nothing right. <laughs> and, and the father just runs and welcomes him uh, immediately. He mm-hmm. says, "This is my son who was dead, and now he's alive." So, like, no matter what it is, like whether it's righteous anger and like righteous sorrow, or like sinful anger or sorrow and shame over a sin you just commit, whatever, like just bring it to God always. Mm-hmm. That's what He wants. He wants you to bring it to Him, and not not let it separate you from Him and when you separate say, you from Him. When you say bring it to Him, you mean, I mean, pray, mm-hmm. right? And and prayer is it's not like. Prayer is not just telling God all the things that you want him to do for you. It's just talking to him. Hmm. And it's like communing with him. And so you can just say, you can go to God and say, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I feel I feel like such a hypocrite right now. That's a totally valid prayer. <laughs> um, because God, again, God is a real person. And he wants to have a real relationship with you. Hmm. And real relationships involve real talk, hmm. not fake talk. Mm-hmm. And not one-sided, give me this talk, but just real, like you would with your real father if you were hurt or if you were angry or if you had done something to hurt him. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Bill, last
3: thoughts? Oh, I just love these thoughts. I think they're great. Mm-hmm. So I guess I don't have any last <laughs> thoughts.
0: <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather trivia quizzes and your thoughts to podcast at <laughs> org. Possibly the most normal uh ending to that sentence we've had in a long time (laughs) Mm -hmm. for our closing segment this week We've still given up bets for Lent, and so it's time for round four of Where in the Bible is Carmen San
2: Mm-hmm.
0: While you collect your... As you collect your effects. <laughs> uh, we've got three passages of Scripture, and you gentlemen will tell us the book, chapter, and verse references, and the winner, of course, gets jelly beans. I have Bill's jelly beans, which I forgot to give him last week, so no matter what happens, Bill will be getting those. Mm-hmm. But you get uh, one point for the book, one point for the chapter, one point for the verse. Let's get started. What Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ
2: you are serving. I should know where this is because I love this verse, but I don't.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Let's start with, if I can get my pen to work, which I seem to have done. Uh, Bill. All right. This is
3: only a guess. First Corinthians 16, 26.
2: Okay, Scott. This is, this is only a guess. <laughs> Colossians 3.10. And uh, Dan. Colossians 3.23 and 24. It is Colossians
1: 3.23 and hey, 24. Hey, two points. Wow, I
0: wasn't in the right book. For for Scott, Scott. zero for Bill, and three for Dan. I, <laughs> I think
2: we should petition Jesus to add
0: Colossians to the <laughs> Colossians. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, yeah. uh, three. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy, they said. Get out of here, baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys.
1: I'm ready. Dan. 1 Kings 22, 13 to 15. Okay, Scott. 2 Kings 2, verse 40. And Bill.
3: Second Kings 4, 12, and 13.
0: All right. It is Second Kings oh. 2, 23, Ooh. and 24. Yes. So that's two points <laughs> Wow, <for> a <laughs> Scott. You get Second Kings and Chapter 2. That was a good impressive. job. That is. Uh, so going to our last question, it is Bill with one, Dan with three, Scott with four. Oh, my gosh. So Still anyone's, anyone's game. game. Anyone's game. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This one was said by Jesus. Oh, all right. Spoilers.
2: <laughs> Spoilers. All right. All right. Scott. Uh, Matthew five two to seven.
1: Dan. Matthew five one to
2: ten.
0: Oh. Bill.
3: Matthew five three to ten.
0: It is Matthew 5, 3, 2, 12. So that's three points across the board <laughs> to everybody, which means Scott is our big winner God. with wow. a total of 7 that's out of good. 9 good score. good. A real, real, uh, you earned that one. Thank you. And there's for Bill, there's for Scott. Thank you. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Dan, take us home.
1: You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation.
3: So I'm thinking about two sports... When I was in high school, tennis—I was still a devout Christian, but boy, tennis was so consuming. Really? Um, Well, I played eight hours a day. Whoa!
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would do it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you play that much tennis?
3: Well, I just loved it, and the eight hours a day was in the summertime. Sure. There was just sheer love for it, and a whole a little group of us—they built these tennis courts on our side of town. It was the first time we ever had tennis courts. And the tennis boom had, had just begun. Okay. So this is how into it our tennis team was. We would be in the coach's car. We'd already played a match and he'd be driving by the park and he'd say, what do you want to do? Do you want me to drop you off at your home or do you want dropped off at the courts? And the answer was always, drop us off at the courts because there's still some daylight. Huh. So we would play until dark, and then we'd go home and have supper. Huh. So that was, was a time of really being consumed with tennis. And then as an adult, there was a time when soccer just invaded my brain. Hmm. I was coaching a team of... Um, under 12 girls and my daughter Nicole was on it. And even though I was planting a church and God was foremost, I just couldn't help but think about soccer. Let's move this girl to this position, this one to that one, and, and see if we can't generate more offense. Hmm. It's a great game. Soccer is awesome. I'll be shocked if we don't play it in heaven. (laughs) Same with tennis. (laughs) But but those are two times where I can think. It it was really a concern of mine that is this edging God out? Hmm. What would edging God out look like? That's a very good question. I'll tell you one thing that helped me fight the edging God out was take the soccer team, for instance there was a men's prayer meeting every morning and I had my team roster there and we would pray for those girls salvation. So mm. that became real important to me. And then about five years after I was done with that team, I learned that Cassie Martin, who I had for three years on the team, she, she did come to Christ through a young life meeting. Huh. So I was really glad for that.
0: Yeah. Scott, have you had any I mean, not tennis. Mm. I know it's not tennis. Oh, you don't know what I do after you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just go out, go out to the courts over at Sunny Side, <laughs> play in the dark, play in the dark <laughs> by myself for hours. I've hit I've hit
0: tennis balls off the back wall of the church before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean for sure.